would like to welcome you all to this uh, service of remembrance and thanksgiving for the late Her Majesty the Queen. We'd like to thank you for coming tonight. We would like to welcome uh, Diane Forsyth, MLA, and also uh, who our own secretary, Harry Harvey, MLA, representing the legislature, um, Terry Andrews, uh, uh, representing uh, the council. And there's apologies from Dr. Catherine Owen, whose mother-in-law took very ill and is in, uh, in, in uh, ICU, and uh, she cannot come tonight. We'd like to thank the representatives of the Orange Order who are here, Brother Johnny Jackson, representing the local lodge, and there are others here, um, those that are representing the Apprentice Boys and other organizations. We thank you for uh, coming tonight, and we trust that God will meet with us as we remember and give thanks for Her Gracious Majesty, the Queen. We're going to open our service by singing uh, the, one of the Queen's favorite hymns, it's the hymn number six in the hymn book. Praise my soul, the King of heaven. To his feet like tribute bring, ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven, who like thee his praise shall sing. We'll stand to sing and let's sing with all our hearts. Oh 
Our presbytery met yesterday by Zoom, and the following statement was approved for reading in our church services today. And I'm just going to read the um, statement, and then we'll have a minute's silence, and then there will be a lament uh, played by uh, Francis Strain here that's with us. Just the statement, it was with deepest sadness on Thursday evening, the 8th of September 2022, that the ministers and ruling elders and members of the Free Presbyterian Church of Ulster learned of the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. As a church, we lament the passing of a monarch who ruled for over 70 years with dignity, wisdom and diligence. We thank God for her exemplary personal public conduct as a monarch, and for the stability that she brought to our nation over the seven decades of her illustrious reign. As a denomination, we express to the royal household our sincerest sympathy. Scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 2 commands the Christian church to pray for kings and for all that are in authority. Therefore, we will be interceding for Her Majesty's family, praying that the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort will impart to their hearts the true consolation of the grace of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. At our coronation service on the 2nd of June, 1953, the moderator of the General Assembly of the Church of Scotland presented the new Queen with a copy of the Scriptures and said, Our gracious Queen, to keep your majesty ever mindful of the law and the gospel of God as the rule for the whole life and government of Christian princes, we present you with this book, the most valuable thing that this world affords. It is still the Holy Bible that carries the infallible message of God for the royal family, our nation, and the entire commonwealth. True comfort in life and in death is found in Christ Jesus alone. The gospel declares, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now we'd ask you please to stand for a minute's silence, and then Francis will bring that time of silence to a close with a lament. And we'll just... Remain standing during the lament, and you can be seated then when the lament is finished. So we'd ask you just to remain for a minute's silence.
As you're seated, let's just unite together at the throne of heavenly grace in prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father in heaven, we approach thee in the name of our blessed Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one to whom we give allegiance at the end of the day. But Lord, we also recognize that thy word commands us to pray for kings and for those that are in authority. And we come at this time in our land, this time of sadness, this time of the passing of the late queen. And, O God, we come to render thanks to thee for the late Her Majesty. We do thank thee for her diligence. We do thank thee for her uh, wisdom down through the years. We thank thee for the stability that our land has had, and we rejoice in all of the wonderful gifts that thou didst give to her. And, O oh God, we come today, we are sad, but we think of the royal family, we think of the king, we remember his family, and we recognize the depth of sorrow. But, Lord, we also thank thee that we have that succession we recognize the uh, constitutional settlement that we have. And Lord, we pray that thou wast enable those that have taken oaths to be true to the oath. And we pray, gracious God, that thou wast further thy kingdom in the incoming days. We thank thee that thou art the one who sets up kings and brings kings down. We thank thee that thou art sovereign above all things. And we pray that thou wast bless the royal family at this time. May they find their comfort. May they find their help in thee. We pray for the new king. We would say, God, save the king. We pray that thy mercy might be given to him and that he might know thy grace even in his life today. We look to thee even for the incoming days that thou wouldst meet each one at the point of their need. We thank, Lord, of the hymns that are sung we think of the prayers that are offered, and we pray that thou wast even call the nation back to thyself and back to the old-fashioned values of the Scriptures. And we pray for a mighty move of God in these days. Bless in our meeting tonight. We ask that thou wouldst bless all who have or will take part. We pray that thy hand would be upon them and that thou wouldst bless them even as they take part in the meeting tonight. We pray for a sense of thy presence, that thou wouldst come down amongst us and bless us. We pray, too, for our new government. We pray for our new prime minister. Lord, we pray for wisdom for them. We ask that thou wouldst give them the help that they need. And we pray, Lord, that in these incoming days, that there might be that uh, turning to God in the midst of all of our needs. We thank thee that we can look up to thee and we pray that thy blessing would be upon us tonight. Draw us near to thee. Remember those that are lo looking on on the internet. And we pray that the, each one might know thy touch. Those that cannot be with us, those that are laid aside, might they have a portion of the blessing tonight. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Now, we're very glad to have our sister Natasha Atchison with us this evening, and we're going to ask Natasha to come and minister to us in song.
kingdoms rage, kingdoms rise and fall. There is still one king reigning over all. So I will not fear for this truth remains that my God is the ancient of days. for 
of days. For my God is the ancient of days. Can I thank Natasha for coming and bringing those appropriate pieces? Um, she sang there the Psalm 23 to the tune Crimmond, which was another favourite of Her Majesty the Queen. And then remembering that our God is the Ancient of Days, we thank Natasha for singing to us this evening. Uh, can I again welcome you along to the meeting this evening? Um, when I welcome you the first time, when I, was, I hadn't spotted where everybody was, but I think I've identified where people are. I was going on faith that you were here, so, uh, but we do welcome uh, uh, Diane Forsyth here, Harry. We welcome you and Terry here, uh, representing the, co uh, the um, council and also those uh, different representation of the loyal orders that are here this evening. We do welcome you sincerely in our Saviour's precious name, and we're glad that you're here. Now, I want to keep my announcements to the minimum, so hopefully those that were here this morning were listening out for the announcements. But do remember the meetings in the incoming week. Wednesday at 8 is our midweek prayer meeting, and then next Lord's Day, 10.15, uh, is the Sabbath school and the Bible class, and then uh, the morning service, 11.30, 6.30 evening prayer meeting, and 7 o'clock is the evening service and I will be the preacher in the Lord's will. Uh, do remember the Whitfield College opening and graduation. That's tomorrow night in Balamina, and if you're going to that, that's still on, although the supper part of that has been cancelled. Now, we're going to just keep our announcements to that, and uh, we uh, are uh, going to sing uh, another hymn. The hymn is 608. Abide with me, fast falls the eventide, the darkness deepens, Lord with me abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, help of the helpless, O oh, abide with me. The hymn 608, and we'll stand as we sing again, please. Thank you. 
very glad that we have those that, I suppose, represent um, civic society and our brother uh, Harry Harvey, the secretary of our church, is a member of the Legislative Assembly. And we're going to ask Harry to come and do a scripture reading for us this evening. He's reading from Isaiah 6, the year that King Uzziah died. We're going to ask Harry to come and do that reading for us now. Thank you, Reverend Dean. As the Reverend Dean said, <clears throat> tonight's reading is from Isaiah chapter 6 and verses 1 to 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With three twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth, and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And I pray that the Lord will bless the public reading of his word. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to thank um, Harry for doing that reading for us this evening. I wonder if we could turn in God's word of your uh, Bible with you this evening. And we're going to, I'm just going to read um, one uh, verse of uh, Scripture. Um, well, I, I think maybe I'll read a few from 1 Kings chapter 15. And we're going to read at verse 1, just going down to the fifth verse of the chapter. The 1 Kings chapter 15, beginning our reading at verse 1. Now, in the 18th year of King Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, reigned Abijam over Judah. Three years reigned he in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Maacah, the daughter of Abishalom. And he walked in all the sins of his father, which he had done before him. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father. Nevertheless, for David's sake did the Lord his God give him a lamp in Jerusalem to set up his son after him and to establish Jerusalem, because David did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, and turned not aside from anything that he commanded all the days of his life, save only in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. And we know again that the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his precious word to our hearts. Let's just unite again in a word of prayer. 
Our loving God and our gracious Father, we turn to thee tonight afresh. We thank thee for the scripture reading that Harry did there. We think of that day when the King Uzziah died. And in the midst of it, Isaiah the prophet saw the Lord high and lifted up. And it is our prayer this evening that as we have come to the death of our sovereign, that we might see the Lord, that we might close in with his mercy and his grace. And, O God, that we might see the one who is high and lifted up, whose train fills the temple. And, our God, we thank thee for the one who is the Ancient of Days, and we recognize that his rule and reign will never come to an end. And so, our God, we commit ourselves to thee at the end of our meeting tonight, and we'd ask thee that thou wouldst come and bless us and be with us. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen. Amen. We have been shocked by the news that uh, came on Thursday evening that Her Majesty the Queen had passed away 4.30 on Thursday afternoon. Having seen the pictures of her greeting and um, appointing Liz Truss as the new Prime Minister and the broad smile that was on her face, it's hard to believe that a decline seemed to have taken place so swiftly. You will know that during Thursday afternoon the message had come that Her Majesty from her doctors was uh, there were grave concerns about her case. I was watching the ITV News about 6.30 when the statement came through that the Queen was dead. For more than seven decades, uh, Queen Elizabeth was a commanding presence, a monarch wholly dedicated to the service of the British people and the other people of her realms, one who was beloved by billions of people around the world, enduring uh, a, a constant uh, con she was an enduring constant, bridging the second half of the 20th century and the first two decades of the new millennium. As a fellowship of God's people, we want to give thanks to God for our Queen, for her life, for her dedication. On her 21st birthday, on April the 21st, 1947, while still a princess, she made a profound pledge that she would serve the people and the empires it was in those days. And she certainly made good on that pledge. We are thankful for God for the grace bestowed upon her. Uh, her long settled reign marked by dignity and devotion. We remember prayerfully the royal household at this time. And we commend them to God in his grace and in his comfort. We pray for the new king, uh, King Charles. And we pray that God will bless him, save him, and that he might have a prosperous reign as well. Now, I was struck by the reading that we have just done there in the Old Testament. We read how that God gives a summary of the lives of many of the kings of the Old Testament. In 1 Kings chapter 15 and verse 5, we read about what God said about David. It says, because David did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord and turned not aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life, save only in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. And then in verse 11 of the same chapter, it speaks of a descendant of David's 
uh, King Asa. And it says, And Asa did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, as did David his father. But then you go to the next chapter, or even the part that we read uh, about the reign of uh, Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. But in the next chapter, in verse 25, we read about King Omri, and it says, But Omri wrought evil in the eyes of the Lord, and did worse than all that were before him. And you can see that these kings are judged in the eyes of the Lord. And it reminds us that we all stand at the end of the day in the eyes of God. It's God's judgment that matters at the end of the day. We don't have the eyes of God. We don't see all things. Uh, We are faulty in our vision at the uh, end of the day. We only can see what is outward. But in the light of the reign of Queen Elizabeth, as we see it, we can certainly give thanks to God for her reign and what she was. We think of the uh, years of service that she has given to the kingdom, 70 years of service and to the commonwealth and to further beyond. And we want in the uh, grace of God to remember her tonight, to give thanks to God for her reign, and to thank God for all that she was. We want to exalt the Lord in the midst of it as well, because he is King of kings and Lord of lords. In fact, that's the first and foremost thing that we want to do. And I know, I I feel that Her Majesty would have wanted that. She wants her King and her Lord uh, to be exalted. I heard the story and many of these stories, you don't know whether they were true or not. But I did hear the story recently how that um, she was one time um, with um, the one of, I don't know whether it was Billy Graham, I think it maybe was Billy Graham that she was with, and they were speaking about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think it was one of her chaplains. Speaking about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and she said, oh, I hope that he would come in my lifetime. And the chaplain asked her why she wanted him to come in her lifetime. Because she said, I would take my crown. I would love to cast it at Jesus' feet. And we come tonight and we give thanks to God for one who was uh, willing to cast her crown at Jesus' feet. But there are just three headings that I want to take tonight. I want us to think about the dedication of the Queen. I want us to think about the devotion of the Queen. And then finally and very briefly, want to think about the death of the Queen. And first of all, then, we want to reflect upon the dedication of Her Majesty. And that's one of the first things that stand out about her. It's one of the first things that is said about her, as people have spoken about her after her death and even before her death. It is remarked that even two days uh, before her death that she was still receiving the resignation of one prime minister and appointing the next one. And we thank God for her dedication to her duties. She was dedicated to us as a servant to her people and to her kingdoms and to her realms. I've already mentioned the statement that she made when she was 21 years of age. But let me just read that statement to you. She said, 21 years of age, on her 21st birthday, I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, 
shall be devoted to your service and the service of your, our great imperial family to which we all belong. But I shall not have strength to carry out this resolution alone unless you join in, me, in it with me. As I now invite you to do, I know that your support will be unfailingly given. God help me to make good on my vow, and God bless you all who are willing to share in it. And you'll see that she is attributing her dedication uh, to the help and support of Almighty God as well as the people. Many years later in the Silver Jubilee, the Queen made reference to that promise that she made when she was 21 years of age. This was 1977, the Silver Jubilee. And she said, although that vow was made in my salad days, in other words, when I was green, when, or, and then she says, when I was green, in judgment, I do not regret nor retract one word of it. And we can see how that she was completely dedicated to her duty. She was dedicated as the head of state. Indeed, she was not only head of state of the United Kingdom, but 14 other countries as well at the time of her death. And that, and that had only decreased because many countries had become republics. At one time, she was head of state of 33 countries, or uh, had been head of state at some time of 33 countries during her reign. She had a weekly audience with the Prime Minister. She received the government red boxes and was very diligent in keeping up with the affairs of state. She, was, she had appointed and held off, uh, uh, audiences with 15 Prime Ministers, opened every session of Parliament except in 1959 and 1963 when she was expecting Prince Andrew and Prince Edward and then the last state opening which she passed off to her son. So she was dedicated in her duties as head of state. She was dedicated to the Commonwealth. She was very proud of her role as head of the Commonwealth. During her reign, she travelled more than any monarch in history, visiting every part of our family of nations. Early in her reign, she completed a year-long tour of the Commonwealth that covered 70,000 kilometers, marking the start of many foreign tours that she would embark upon. During her reign, she traveled more than any monarch in history, as we've said. Between 1971 and 2018, she missed only one heads of government meeting of the Commonwealth, and her uh, devotion to duty was matched only as her, uh, by her skill as a diplomat. The Commonwealth made the statement at her death. They said her devotion to duty was only matched by her skill as the head of the Commonwealth of Nations, always a generous host and consummate diplomat. And then they said Her Majesty loved the Commonwealth and the Commonwealth loved her. Then there was her dedication to the monarchy as well. Becoming queen at only the age of 21, there were many rocky periods and many attempts to modernize, and they did modernize in order to safeguard the monarchy. But we think of the many trips around the, the globe, and she was a much-loved figure, not only here, but around the world. Then there was her dedication in her role as Supreme Governor of the Church of England. And she did take that seriously and often mentioned her faith. 
At her coronation, which was a very Christian service, she promised to maintain the Church of England. You'll have seen King Charles yesterday take an oath in regard to the Church of Scotland, and he swore, I, Charles III, by the grace of God of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland and my other realms and territories, King, Defender of the Faith, to faithfully promise and swear that I shall inviolably maintain and preserve the settlement of the true Protestant religion as established by the laws of Scotland. And she took that position and that oath seriously. She, from 1970, uh, undertook to address the General Senate of the Church of England in person. She attended the General Assembly of the Church of Scotland as well. And the, this was a reign of seven decades of change. And yet, the, Her Majesty was the epitome of stability and wisdom and of grace. And it is that sense of duty and dedication that we are losing in the present world. Our modern society has become very individualistic in its outlook. People feel that they're entitled, that government owes them a living. They are not, there isn't that sense of duty, there isn't that sense of dedication that once there was, and there is a great contrast in many ways for our modern generation and to that older generation. Colossians chapter 3 verse 17 says, And whatsoever ye do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. The Lord Jesus commended the value of service. He said in Mark 9 and 35, says, And he sat down and called the twelve, and saith unto him, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all, and servant of all. Says in Ecclesiastes 9 and 10, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. That's dedication. And that's a quality that we need to have back in our day and generation. But not only was the queen dedicated in her duty, she was dedicated in her dignity. I was struck by an American commentator and journalist, Megan Kelly, and she was speaking on GB News, and she was asked about the American reaction to the death of the Queen, whether it was making an impact in America. And she said that every living president had made an, a statement of sympathy about the Queen's death. The Speaker of the House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi, had also made a statement, and anybody that was anybody in America had spoken about the death of the Queen. And then she said this, and I want to quote it to you because I think it is spot on. She said, I've been thinking about what it is that is making people over here feel it. People in Great Britain feel it. People around the world feel this passing in a way that feels extra emotional. And it's not just the random passing of some world leader that is, it is respected. It's more than that. The world, yes, has lost a great leader, but it feels personal. And people do not want to let go, and we feel it slipping away. She stood for dignity, for hard work, for not complaining, doing one's duty, for rejecting narcissism, for embracing public service. And we look around today for people that we can look up 
to never mind our daughters, our sons. People like Queen Elizabeth are few and far between. What we have in today's day and age is a world of narcissism, a world of selfie culture, and insta shots with filters and obsessive focus on one's appearance, and the refusal to age with dignity and embrace what happens to a woman as she gets older. We have a world in which we have celebrities and leaders showing up at, up, 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 up to events truly half-naked because women have been led to believe that their only value is in their appearance or their sex appeal. She eschewed all of that. Of course, we would have to, she would have to as the monarch, but she did it, and it was heartfelt, and you knew it. She always presented herself in a lovely way, in a friendly way. She never misstepped. President Trump was exactly right. Even when others misstepped around her, rather than calling them out in a way that was rather brutal, she was kind about it. And that uh, commentator, I think, hit the nail on the head. She was a lady of dignity. We think of the celebrity culture today, and she said about the celebrities turning up to events truly half-naked was her phrase. She's spot on. We have a world that's about appearance. We have a world that's not about dignified appearance. It's the trashy tabloid appearance. And the Bible's injunction about modest apparel is something that has been lost. And we think about the dignity of our queen. But then I want you to think about the devotion of our queen. I'm thinking about her Christian faith because that is vital. You think of the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah. We've read about the summary of David's life here in the text before us. And we think of how they were judged in the eyes of the Lord. And that's how we all will be judged at the end of the day. As I say, she was supreme governor of the Church of England, uh, as every monarch has been since the 16th century. She had the title defender of the faith. None of those things saved her. She was a member of the Church of Scotland. That didn't save her. The Queen died a Presbyterian because she died in Scotland. And when she was in Scotland, she was a Presbyterian. But we think of those churches, the Church of England that she was a member of. We think of the Church of Scotland. Both of those churches have apostatized. They are more about the latest creeds and philosophy than they, have. they are about the true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that has affected her spiritual outlook, and she would have done things that maybe we would not have done. But I, at the end of the day, think that she had evidence of true faith. She grew up in a home where the gospel was at least known. The queen's faith was, first of all, influenced by her grandfather, George V. He was described as having a simple Bible-based belief. He read the Bible every night until the end of his life. Now, that doesn't save you either. It doesn't save you by reading your Bible or for, by praying. But there was an evidence, at least in the home, of some resemblance of desire after the things of God. Her father, the Queen's father, George VI, was a man to, who was reported to have attended Brethren Bible study meetings in Earl's Court before he became king. He knew the gospel. 
popularly known as the king who had speech difficulties. We think of the king's speech film. King George VI was a man of what seemed like deep faith. We think of how he gave the speech during the war. And when he gave speeches, he often referenced his faith in God. And in the midst of the war, he asked people to resolve to reverently commit our cause to God. He was instrumental in the day of prayer that resulted in the great victory or the deliverance at D-Day. And it was remarkable the way that that took place, how that the Germans stopped and the nation had been called together to pray. And we need something of that faith in prayer back in our day and generation. In the coronation, King George said that I, to his friend, the Archbishop of Canterbury, that I felt throughout that someone else, speaking of God, was with me. And he uh, spoke of statements, intruding. he said, let us then put our trust, as I do, in God and in the unconquerable spirit of the British people. Dr. Paisley would have said when he met the Queen Mother that she was a saved lady as well. So the Queen certainly grew up in a home where the gospel was certainly known. So what about the Queen's own faith? Well, it was something that was evident during her reign. As well as the formal title of Defender of the Faith and Supreme Governor of the Church of England, which came with the monarchy, we think of her statements down through the ages or down through the years. The first Christmas broadcast that she made in 1952, her father, George VI, had died on the 6th of February, 1952. She made a prayer request. She said, pray for me that God may give me wisdom and strength to carry out the solemn promises I shall be making and that I may faithfully serve him and you all the days of my life. She put the Lord first, serve him and serve you. And the queen was crowned in a deeply symbolical church service and that was uh, very steeped in Christianity. We ha- th- there are the symbols, the orb, there is the scepter, there is the crown, all are topped by the cross and it is the symbol of Jesus Christ, the ruler over all the world and her relationship with the Bible was underlined at her coronation service when the moderator of the Church of Scotland presented the Bible to her, and with all the jewellery and all of the, uh, the razzle-dazzle of all of the jewels that were there, he said, this is the most valuable thing that the world affords. Here is wisdom. This is the royal law. These are the lively oracles of God. And that most sacred moment in the ceremony is the anointing. And this is what the queen regarded as really the most important thing. A canopy was put over her uh, when it was taking place so that nobody else would see it. The cameras did not see what was taking place. And she was dressed in a simple white dress. And the archbishop anointed her with oil and prayers inviting the Holy Spirit to set her apart as God's servant. And we think of the many deep in, or the many evidences of personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
On the 31st of December, 1999, the Queen marked the millennium in the Millennium Dome with many public figures. And as the crowd sung, sang Old Lang Syne, her expression suggested that she wasn't very impressed with New Labour's Cool Britannia vibe. And 12 months earlier, or 12 months later rather, on Christmas Day 2000, she spoke to the nation, pouring out what she felt the millennium was really about. And she said Christmas is the traditional, if not the actual, birthday of a man who was destined to change the course of our history. And today we're celebrating the fact that Jesus Christ was born 2,000 years ago. This is the true millennium anniversary. Then she said in the same broadcast, to many of us, our beliefs are funda of fundamental importance. For me, the teachings of Christ and my own personal accountability before God provide a framework in which I try to lead my life. I, like so many of you, have drawn great comfort in difficult times from Christ's words and example. In 2002, the Queen endured a painful year, personal losses, the deaths of her sister, Princess Margaret, and the Queen Mother. And in the annual Christmas address that year, she spoke of how faith sustained her. She said, I know just how much I rely on my own faith to guide me through the good times and the bad. She said, each day is a new beginning. I know the only way to live my life is to try to do what is right, to take the long view, to give of my best in all the day brings, and to put my trust in God. In 2014, she said, for me, the life of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, whose birth we celebrate today, is an inspiration and anchor in my life. 2016, she explained, billions of people now follow Christ's teachings and find in him the guiding light of their lives. I am one of them. And you know, we cannot look into the heart of anybody. The thing that we need is personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We need a personal salvation. We are all sinners, whether we're high or low, whether we're on the throne or we're a pauper in a hovel. We are all sinners in the sight of a holy God. And we need to put our faith and trust in God as the only Savior. We thank God for the Savior who died on the cross and shed his blood that we might be redeemed. And men and women, that's the only hope that we have in these days. It is in our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Queen was able to say, many put their trust in the Lord Jesus. And she said, I am one of them. And I hope that you too have a personal faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, one more thing very briefly, and our time is gone tonight, but that's the death of the Queen. We heard the news 6.30 there Thursday past. The Queen had passed away, seems to have been very peaceful. She had Princess Anne and the new king were with her. Other members of the family were speeding to get to there as soon as they could. Many have expressed in the death of the Queen that would mean instability in the United Kingdom, that there would be great change. And we think of how Prince Charles, as he was, has become now King Charles III. And really, it's interesting that that denies the claim of the Jacobites 
who said that Bonnie Prince Charlie was King Charles III. But nevertheless, we have a new king. And the vast majority of the population haven't known anything other than the queen that we have. And we think back upon her reign. And we think of the long reign. And many of us had hoped that she would reach the age of her mother, over a hundred years of age. But we realize that no matter how long we live, the death comes. And these, this passing has, passed, has taught us the truth of the scripture that we must needs die. And we think about the reality of death. The Bible says in Romans 5 and 12, Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Death came by sin, and it de demonstrates death, the reality of what God has said, that when our first parents fell, part of the penalty of sin was death. And there's the reality of death. But also there is the reality of victory over death. The Apostle Paul was able to say in 1 Corinthians 15 and 55, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? And for those who have come and confessed their sins to Christ and confessed their sins to God and closed in with his great offer of mercy in the gospel, we can say today, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, So then, this corruptible shall be, have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. And I want you to see the reality of victory today. When our earthly kings and our earthly rulers pass away, as our sister has sung already tonight, there is one who is the ancient of days, the one who is king of kings and lord of lords. Are you his subject today? Are you a citizen of the heavenly kingdom? There is only one way to make sure of that, and that's trusting in Christ. Not trusting in what you have done, not in your prayers, not in your good works, not in your dedication or your duty or anything else. It's the same for the Queen as for any of us. We have to put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And may you trust him today. May you find the blessed Redeemer, the Savior of the world, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. May God bless his word and write it upon our hearts for his name's sake. Let's just bow in a word of prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father in heaven, we do thank thee for the opportunity of giving thanks for a faithful ruler. We give thee thanks for thy grace and mercy. We thank thee for the mercy of God at the cross. And we thank thee for sending thine own dear Son to be our Redeemer and our Saviour. And we pray today that thou wouldst come and bless us. And we pray that thou wouldst draw near to each one. Remember our nation in this time of sorrow. Remember our royal family. Remember our king. We say again, God save the king. 
And so, our God, we just ask thee that thou wouldst be with us and bless us tonight. For Jesus' sake, amen. We're going to ask you to stand at the end of our service for the national anthem. And, of course, you know the change that's taken place is God save our gracious King. The first verse of the national anthem. And we'll ask you, please, to stand for the national anthem.